Welcome to 12 Questions. This is Anna Valenzuela, and I'm drowning in summer school finals week, but I'll make it. I'll make it, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because I have been through both worse and better. Uh, but uh, anyway, I'm not making sense because I'm exhausted. And so I better introduce my co-host, Mr. Dave Yates. Back to school, back to school <laughs> to prove to dad that I'm not a fool. Sandler baby. See, here's the difference. The, the look on her face was priceless because she didn't know where I was going with it at first until I finished the song. A little bit, yeah, because I, well, I could tell there was an Adam Sandler voice and I could remember it a little bit. But then my brain was like, thank you for the reminder. Um, the only thing rattling around in my head right now is George Cooker movies, the uh, director of. Uh, oh, oh, Cook Dog. Yeah, of Gaslight and Gone with the Wind. <laughs> Gaslight, Gone with the Wind, My Fair Lady, um, but I'm not writing on those movies. No, I'm writing on mm. the uh, screwball comedy deep cuts. That's what I'm writing on. So uh, so that's exciting. Um, and Speaking uh, of deep cuts, how about this clarity statement? Yeah, let's, let's get cut. it. Let's get that clarity statement. Welcome to 12 Questions Podcast, everyone. We believe that growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. We, our mission is to share our experiences with guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AA, NA, or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We are simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to give hope to anyone struggling. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others, and we only hope that you can learn something about you yourselves by listening yay yay and i'm really stoked on our guest today mostly because he came on he was like i am so ready for this i've read these <laughs> questions i'm excited who are we speaking with today uh, uh i'm drew. drew drew welcome hi drew hello how That's, are you i'm well how are you Good. It's uh, it, it's hot. It's hot. So I'm I'm getting used to it. Uh, I actually, I, like I was saying right before, uh, I'm I'm out on tour right now with a band, and like we have these regular COVID tests, and I just tested negative. So everything is great. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how quick everything has gotten, where you can literally find out within minutes whether or not yeah. you've got the herp or not. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, the, lo the lung herp. Can we call the, COVID the the lung herp? The lung herps. The lung, the, the lung grumbles. The, the sad thing is, I did test positive for being pregnant, though. So it's ah, it's, it's kind of a rough one. Was but, it Danny you know. DeVito? Did Danny yeah. DeVito put a baby in you, like Junior? Remember Arnold Schwarzenegger was oh, pregnant? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's either that or the Danny rum DeVito. ham, you know. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, so anyway, thank you so much for having me on. I mean, this is yeah. this is so awesome. I. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate the opportunity here. Yeah, and uh, a little outside uh, outside info for the listeners. I love Drew. Drew and I became friends probably over the pandy, mostly. I yeah. mean, we knew each other from um, the rooms a little bit uh, mm -hmm. pre-pandy, and then we would meet up on Zoom hangs. 
and uh, chit chat over the phone. So it, it's been nice to watch uh, Drew and his recovery. And uh, I, I think he works a solid program. So that's why I'm delighted to have him on the pod. Oh, Thank you vet, so much. vetted by the vetted by the uh, eternally skeptical Dave Yates. This is going to be great. <laughs> That's awesome. The best is like the first thing out of his mouth. He's like, I just relapsed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, no. <laughs> no, don't say that. Don't put that in the air, Dave. Oh, Rude. No. Rude. Well, let's get into this. Drew, yeah. how do you experience surrender in your life? I experience surrender. Surrender, I guess to me, was one of those things where I didn't so much surrender at first as much as I was kind of like forced into submission. Uh, But I mean, for me, it was definitely like my, my, my disease had just taken hold of me so hard that I just had nowhere else to go. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I kinda, I had tried everything else. You know, I tried my own self will. I tried making people, certain people, my higher power. I tried, you know, alcohol was my higher power. Everything else was my higher power besides a genuine higher power. Mm. So when I, when I, you know, started in the program, um, almost three years ago, two years and 11 months, uh, my sobriety date is August 24th of 2018. Um, I, uh, like I said, it was kind of thrust upon me. And as I, you know, I, I just had exhausted everything else at that point. So I was mm. like, you know what? you know what, let's try this. I've got nothing else. Let's try this. Let's see what happens. So I dove head first. I mean, full disclosure, I went to treatment for six, uh, six weeks, not six months. Um, and I was ready at that point. I was ready. Mm-hmm. It was time. I, you know, I had friends who talked to me before I went to treatment, um, about, you know, how they care about me and how they feel like I'm killing myself. But, you know, the whole spiel that we all, you know, we've all heard yeah. at one point or another. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm ready to surrender. I'm, I'm done, uh, you know? And on a daily basis for me, I mean, that's just understanding what's in my control, what's not in my control and giving it up. Right. You know, that's, that's kind of my surrender as far as, you know, just being able to, and that helps with my anxiety, with, with my fear, with my anger is just knowing, you know, this is out of my control and I've surrendered to, my higher power. I heard somebody in a room once call it the great mystery. And yeah. I, I really liked that one. So I'm like, you know what? I'm willing to surrender to the great mystery because the universe has always provided for me in some way or another. And I just have to be open to it. I love it. Yeah. And I love a good, I love a good sweet gift of desperation. Yep. Mm. I, I mean, 100%. I'm not saying everybody needs that, but the people that I know that are, have a solid footing in what would call the first step of it all is the people who've gotten that sweet gift of desperation where it's like, I can't, I can't go on like this anymore. I'm fucking done. Here's my white flag to whatever goblin in the sky that I have to (laughs) turn it over to. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's just, I, if I could give it to someone in a pill, I would, you know, like that's just that's the reality. Um, so, because some people they want to call it bottom, but I think uh, the bottom is like you can always keep digging until you get to six feet under. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the gift of desperation is is that is that soul bottom is that like in your mm-hmm. heart bottom where you're just like Mm-mm, I can't I can't keep putting poison in me like this anymore. I'm willing to take a chance. Yeah. yeah and, and also for me, just just knowing that like, you know, I I am a happy person. I am a nice person. I am a person of service, but when I'm 
under the grips of my disease, I'm selfish. I don't help others. I'm unhappy. It's like, no, that's not who I am. So yeah, that yeah. gift of desperation. You know, when I first heard that in the rooms, uh, you know, when I was like less than two months sober, I was like, what the hell are they talking about? You know, like, <laughs> what? And now since, you know, diving deep, working a program, uh, sponsoring a few people here and there, working with my sponsor, calling him on a daily basis as much as possible. I do miss some days. I'm not perfect, but like, you know, it's uh, Dave, I totally agree with you. That gift of desperation is just the, the greatest thing I could have ever had. I've, I've heard it said is, um, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that speaks to like how the anxiety, not the anxiety, the insanity of everything, you know, pushes us into that corner. And, and I definitely, I've been there both out of recovery and in recovery. That's the, that's the best part is our disease can like morph and change and make us get sick and tired of being sick and tired in other ways, you know? And so like, what's been your most, and they call that the definition of insanity, uh, but, but what is, uh, been the most insane moment you've had either in or out of recovery? You know? Okay. Yeah. So you sent me the questions ahead of time. And I think this was the one that honestly tripped me up the most that I actually had to think about. Mm. And because, you know, I've got all the insane drunk stories that if anybody is, is going to at least one meeting a month, they've heard all those stories. So I was like, right. okay, I, yeah. I want to th- think of, you know, something else. And honestly, it was in recovery. I was sitting down on my couch one day, I think I was watching television. Um, and I was, I was relaxed. And, I, and out of nowhere, I almost had like a panic attack. Mm. And, and I kind of like popped up and I was like, what's going on? And I went, I've never felt genuine happiness before. And that's what this is. Oh my God. And it, it was so foreign to me at that point because I'd just been so woe is me. The world's yeah. against me. Alcohol is just, everything was just like the world's out to get me. And for once I didn't have that. It, it was, yeah. it was, it was, it was relieved of me from working the program. It was relieved of me from, from being sober and I like perked up and I was like, even from when I was a kid, because I may not have been a, a drinker, but I always had an alcoholic brain. You Me know? too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for the first time in my life, that was probably the most insane feeling I'd ever had. I was like, this is what genuine happiness feels like. And I had never fully experienced that before. Wow. I love that. Yeah, that was a nutty. You gotta love an insane good. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I I had gone through the steps and I was dealing with like some forgiveness stuff and, and it was, it was a big spiritual moment in my recovery. I remember my, my sponsor telling me, it's going to be like, you've been swimming in a swamp your whole life. And one day you're going to crawl out you're going to see sunshine and you're not going to realize you've never seen sunshine before. And I remember waking up one day and just being like, Oh, and that's when I started writing stand up. It was just, it's this really interesting thing of like, the spiritual freedom that we gain from this gives us so much room and space and time to, to play and to have a good time Mm -hmm. and to enjoy. It is time consuming being angry and frustrated and, and in the grips of insanity, like using, trying to find ways and means to get more like that is a lot, very time consuming business. And and exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, 
uh, yeah. Uh, what, what has been, I'm just, I'm just plowing through these questions, Dave. I'm just going for it. What's, what's mm. been, uh, what, what is your, after that moment, like what's your decision-making process been like? Like, how do you make decisions today? How do I make decisions today? Um, uh, still something I'm working on. I'm still a little impulsive, but, um, <laughs> yes, Dave. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I mean, I know you outside of this podcast and like, don't, don't sell yourself short. I mean, you, you're a person that calls people, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, a, a lot of the times I think there's residuals from how we used to be and how we mm -hmm. are now. And we're just hypersensitive to it. But like, I mean, how do you make decisions? Like, I, I, I know that you might have been used to being an impulsive before, but I mean, I, I talked to you before your move and stuff like that. Like you consult with people. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely anything large. I mean, mundane decisions like what am I going to have for dinner? Although I try to work on my, my healthy eating now too. So like even that's a consideration, but anything large in life, I mean, I call my sponsor, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I talk it out with him. Uh, Dave, I, I talked with you. I mean, like when I was talk, thinking about moving to Nashville, like, you know, I, uh, we called or chatted through text and, you know, reach out to my community of people that, you know, kind of that unbiased third party that, you know, where I might be like, ooh, I really want to buy this thing or I really want to go out and eat this thing, well, whatever, you know, however you want to look at it. And just having that unbiased third party to kind of be like, okay, well, what's the reality of what we're talking about rather than mm -hmm. me, me making it like into some, some sort of like dream kind of fantasy, you know? Right. And then and that's the thing too. It's like, you know, you're coming up on three years and you know, I had a sponsee who's coming up on two and you know, at the two year mark, and I'm not saying this is a blanketed statement, but like sometimes you got to just make the decision to know that you, made the wrong decision mm -hmm. you know like if some with the smaller stuff you know like not everything needs to be filtered through my sponsor today i mean i'm nine and change but like in the beginning like my first year it was just like okay you suck at decisions so how do we do different this time around we run decisions through other people yeah. but then as time goes on like i had to learn how to trutch uh, trust my instincts as far as because they're not clouded by drugs and alcohol before mm -hmm. you know like uh should i go to this party you know should i go to this bar to do stand-up you know and it's just like i had to just trust that i can go i have two working legs i have a phone list i have mm. things like that so i had to just go yeah i can go to these things mm -hmm. and then if it turned out to be the wrong decision where if i you know hung out too long at the party or the stand-up show where everybody's blowing coke and and in and, and getting drunk did i hang out too long then afterwards i consult with those people be like yeah maybe i should have left an hour earlier than yeah. i did or maybe mm -hmm. so it's like it's all about making decisions checking in with people but also like you know you got to wean yourself off the teat of the the council at some yeah. point you know yeah. for the little ones like i had someone ask me like should i bring vegan burgers to this barbecue and i'm like yeah Bring yeah. the vegan bar burgers to do the you, barbecue. Do you want to like, eat the vegan burgers and bring your <laughs> bring your hockey pucks to the barbecue and have your no, sad yeah, burger? But that, they, 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 they were worried. They were worried that the people were going to judge them or not want to cook them for for them. You That's know? weird. And, I, I, and well, but I get that though. Yeah. Because you don't want to rock the boat. Like you want to eat what your body needs to eat or whatever you've decided to eat. But also, like, it's a bunch of alcoholics. 
Yeah. So you don't want to be like, here's my vegan patties and have the moon look, oh, vegan, you cook. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like that's, you mean like that's I did real... just now when I called them yeah. sad hockey pucks? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You just but, don't want some crusty old timer to judge what you eat, you know? But, but what I would do is, and having had, uh, having hosted barbecues of this nature, I would gladly cook the vegan meat or uh usually what i do is i have a i have an eggplant marinated like the meat i'm cooking and then i i do that i do an eggplant steak for them so like i think i think about it i think about i think about my, my, my plant based sensitive to our our vegans out there i'm saying i general, just i the, couldn't the, handle the thought the process of it all <laughs> the, the, the thought processes behind um i don't the boat yeah now that is a real defect that i have experienced like i i need to do this for me but what will they think of me yeah. um, and i'm afraid to ruffle feathers i don't want to cause any trouble mm -hmm. and 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 the ultimate answer to that is it's none of my fucking business what other people think of me you know me bringing my own burgers to a place it's not like i it, here's the flip side like it's not like i went to the barbecue it was like oh you don't have any vegan options fuck this place you just brought your own stuff you're like this is what i have to eat yeah because this is what i eat can you please make it for me i mean that's the reality but in my brain i'll cook it up no pun intended to a scenario that doesn't exist true yeah, if i can piggyback on that yeah that phrase i forget dave if you told me that phrase or if my sponsor his name is justin told me that phrase but when i and i actually i do think it was you dave when i heard that phrase what other people think of you as none of your business. I like literally had a mind blown. Yeah. Uh, like moment, because one of my biggest defects of character that I work on uh, is people pleasing, is, mm. you know, making up stories in my head, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And it is definitely one of those things where when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> like in a total like Yoda moment, it was just mm -hmm. like, oh man, like, you know, if, if I know I'm doing the best I can, I'm being the best person I can be, and I'm doing everything in my power to be of service and be a good person, then what somebody else thinks of me is their problem, not mine, you know? Can I tell you the next chapter of that that's really yeah. fascinating? Yeah. Is um, I heard RuPaul say this one time, baby, you're not, you're not meant to blend in, you're meant to stand out. And exactly. so you get to a self-acceptance and a humility where you can be like, yeah, I stand out. And what of it? Come on over. Come on over. Have some vegan meat. Yes, I am dressed like a party clown. Get, get your ass over here. We're having a good time. You know what <laughs> I, I mean? Like, you know, and so that's that's kind of the next that's kind of the next chapter of that. That's definitely a, a place in my life I've been and a place I'm seeking to get back to, you know, yeah. so I love that. You guys are. I mean, that that's like that's learning who you are. Yes. You know. That's mm -hmm. uh, that's the the ultimate chapter in, in in anybody's life is 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 getting to know who you are mm -hmm. and like learning the things about yourself that may be surprising at first. Drew, what is the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself up to this point? Oh, most surprising thing about I actually uh, I actually do have emotions, uh, mm. like uh, quite literally. Like you know when I was when I when I was in the throes of my disease, like. I acted like I didn't care about things. I, I never cried about anything. I never, I never got emotional. I, you know, you know, I, maybe I would get angry and frustrated, but that's the only emotion I thought I really had. And in sobriety, especially now that I'm 
you know, past that first year, past that second year, coming into my, you know, third, um, I've realized like, man, like, like shit, shit affects me. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, like, like stuff that before probably did affect me, but instead I was ignoring it by putting something in my body to ignore it. And now uh, I'm able to deal with those emotions that I didn't really realize I had, mm -hmm. you know? So that's kind of an interesting one. I mean, I could see it because I was thinking to myself, I'm like, well, you're a musician. How do you not know you have emotions? But you're a drummer, so anger is perfect for you. Like, yeah, exactly. You could just like, hit things. Oh, I hit double bass really pedal, good. double bass pedal, splash, splash, hi-hat, bam. <laughs> That's the only emotion I need, baby, is this angry yeah. drumming. Yeah, just angry drumming. And, uh, you know, it did get to the point, though, where I stopped enjoying playing drums because all I wanted to do was drink. But at the yeah. same time, it was like, if I was feeling that anger, it's like, oh yeah, okay. So I grabbed these two wooden sticks and I just hit things. Okay, cool. Yeah, that works, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, that feels very much like when I'm doing karate stuff. Like when I'm, yeah. when I'm teaching and stuff, I'm like, yeah, I got to hit people. <laughs> like, it's very, um, it's very nice. Um, but I, I, I have a, uh, I also, even it, I still struggle to identify my, my emotions, my therapist, I'll, I go into what I call court reporter mode. Oh. And I just, I tell, I, I just, I'm telling the facts who, what, where, when, and why just the, but then if you were to ask me, how do you feel? If you were to add feels to that, mm. I go, I don't know. I just told you. And then she's like, no, you told me what happened and what you thought about it and how you experienced it. But you didn't tell me mm. how you feel about it. And I'd be like, well, I, that's going to take some time. I've built yeah. some beautiful little barriers to protect myself from the fear and anxiety of trauma. And in order to, in order to live with that, you know, I, I have to, I have to not hundred percent know what's going on in me all the time. And, and the component to that, that's so major is honesty. Like how, how would you say, um, would you say, how honest would you say you are with yourself and others today? Uh, good question. I am definitely, sorry, my headphones. Okay, there we go. Uh, I'm definitely more honest with myself and definitely with others than I used to be. I was a compulsive liar before, you know, it was anything. Love a good lie. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love a good lie to you. Oh, oh man. Yeah, I, I would say, yeah. Uh, I would say about 60%, 75% of what I was saying was complete bullshit <laughs> before I got into sobriety because it was, you know, I wanted to keep up appearances or I wanted to, I, you know, I, hilariously, I lived alone in a studio apartment and I still hid all my empty booze bottles because I was paranoid someone was going to come over, you know, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, so I was even lying to myself, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, you know, by doing things like that and, you know, since I found sobriety and I've been working a program, I can't lie to others um, specifically because that was such a heavy, heavy, heavy defect of mine that if I start reverting back to, oh, this little white lie is okay, it's just going to grow exponentially for, for someone like me. And so for better or for worse, I am almost too honest at this point with the people around me. 
And, you know, I still have a little bit of a filter because as a human being and in, in a civilization and society, I have to have a little bit of a filter. But for the most part, you know, I have to be honest with that. I do my best to be honest with myself, but I also try not to be so honest with myself. It kind of like brings me down a little bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, it, that's definitely on the forefront of my head is, or of my mind is, you know, how, yeah. And I don't know why being brutally honest has, has or was, I don't know when, build as a, a like a positive quality to have. Like he's brutally honest. Like that the word brutal, like no one wants, attach that to anything. Brut, brutality is bad. Can you know? I? So why is brutality, honesty good? Can you know I pose a, uh, a theory around this? I think it's reality TV because oh, yeah. we've had this. I thought it was, I thought it was pre. I yeah, mean, it's just a character trait that's like just been toxic sure. that everybody's just like let go. Sure, but the social acceptance of it hasn't always existed. So, like as as a person who's watching like the oldest movies ever right now, there's like some point in the '70s around like Watergate and and you know and all that kind of that stuff. There seems to be a little a little lurch forward in the in the um, social decorum sort of thing. And then I think my my hypothesis is that somewhere around having the reflection of reality TV bounced back at us all the time and then eventually social media, this concept of being real, you know, being like authentic, being morphed into a hyper real, like brutal self, brutal honesty is something that's happened in society. That is my armchair philosophy uh i think i i I like i honestly think get it honestly um that that your your watergate um idea does make sense as far as when honesty started taking yes uh, oh because it's just like the whole country was lied to watch Uh, if you're listening to this go on hulu and watch the movie the conversation and uh, it will it'll give you such a good encapsulation of what's happening at that time of what's going on post Watergate post Vietnam. Sorry, nerd. Um. <laughs> well, I mean the the past the past four years, you know, I'm not going to name names, but you know, from 2016 until now, <laughs> uh, that that whole that whole idea of brutal honesty became so widely accepted that it just oh, yeah, it, people it, wanted to jerk their dicks off to it it's it's complete hyper hyperbole at that yeah, point where exactly. it's like it's like oh it might be brutally honest but it's like yeah but you don't have to exaggerate it that much you know right and also what yeah. is honesty like the definition of honesty became defined by truthiness and then eventually um you know and then eventually uh fake news you know it's yeah. like well i'm just being honest well you're being honest for you but that's honest that's not honest for me and uh it's it's fascinating where we're at in society i i look back and i think like we i think i think the human experience is two steps forward one step back at all times and so we can focus on the one step back or we could focus on the two steps forward like those tiktok teens are like they're out here changing things in a great way in a lot of ways and they give a shit about climate they give a shit about you know they give a shit about gender rights and they give a shit about you know human rights and so so i can look at the like you know they're trying to take my skinny jeans away from me or (laughs) i can take a look and say you know what they they speak a different language and they're a little different 
but they're not bad. And it's my job to get out of the way and be like, you know what? I would like, I would like to experience the two steps forward at this moment, not the two steps back or the one step back, you know, that, that, that plays into actually kind of with the honesty thing too, with, with me is, uh, is acceptance, mm-hmm. you know, like that's the other uh, part of honesty for me is accepting what is the, the, the truth or what is the honesty with myself or other, you know, and acceptance has been probably one of the biggest overlaying themes of my sobriety is, just understanding that, you know, this is the way it is and I can or can't do something about it in acceptance, you know? Yeah. Honesty and acceptance are usually a good way to um, alleviate fear and anxiety for me. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, the more honest I am with myself and those around me, the less I fear those around me and fear myself uh, and reduce the anxiety because I try to self-actualize in the moment and be in this this present state, this mindfulness, and it's it's a hard place to stay. Um, mm-hmm. I I do not stay there often. Uh, my brain don't work too good. But how do you experience anxiety today, Drew? Yeah, anxiety. It's pre sobriety, as a lot of us will, will probably experience, uh, was debilitating, like mm-hmm. debilitating, like. Especially, you know, I, I highlighted that I, I lived alone for a while um, and it was debilitating to the point of just staying at home, not wanting to see people, not even wanting to text with people. I just, mm-hmm. just had so much fear and anxiety about life, about people knowing how much I drink, you know, just like all, all that, that stupid ego stuff that comes in with that too. And how do I experience anxiety today? It's, it's a different feeling now it's I would say that and I'm one one of the lucky ones uh when it comes to this uh you know I have such a wonderful sponsor that helped me work through so many things that you know my anxiety after sobriety probably went down about 90 percent um just because I I came to realize that I was kind of self-actualizing my own anxieties (laughs) like I was making them up in my head and then they became real yeah you know Um, so being able to recognize anxiety right now as, am I making this up or is it real? You know, um, uh, a a quick, a quick instance actually was today. Um, we didn't know we were getting uh, a random COVID test today and we've been, Mm -hmm. we've, we've been out for a little over a week. Um, and we don't do them every single day. And I woke up this morning and they were like, Hey, we got to do a COVID test just to make sure everything's still cool on the level. And anxiety kicked in. I was like, what if I test positive? You know, and it's like, well, wait, if I test positive, that means I have to go home. That means, you know, and then I start making up those stories. I go home, I'm not gonna get paid. I'm not gonna make my rent. Like, you know, all that freaking out happens. And because of the program, I learned to recognize it really quickly. I was like, no, I'm making up stories. This has not happened yet. This is not happening as far as I know. Um, and so I just had that, well, you know what, it's out of my control. I know that as far as trying to be, you know, safe around the pandemic and stuff, I've done all the measures that I can do. I am vaccinated. Um, and so I was like, you know, what? there's no, no way I can control this right now. And yeah. so knowing that I was like, I'm going to go take this test. We're going to see what happens and I'll figure it out after, you know, like I just, it, it just helps me calm down. So whereas in anxiety like that, 
I still would have been coming down from, by the way, even though I tested negative, I would still be coming down from that anxiety. But within two minutes, I mean, there was kind of the initial shock of like that, oh crap moment, you know, cause I'm around a lot of people I don't know every day. Um, but yeah, when you, uh, you know, when I, when I find that I'm just like, you know what, it's out of my control. I've done everything I can. I can, I can just calm down. That's, that's how I experience anxiety. That's how I deal with my anxiety on, on a daily basis. Support for 12 Questions Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 12QPOD. That's 12QPOD at manscaped.com. Imagine having a sleek and well-designed, optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and the details on the 4.0 are next level. I used other trimmers in the past, and I've nicked my balls plenty of times, and you all know the pain of nicking your balls. Ouch. Not to mention, afterwards, the sweat, the stinging. It's just not a good time. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredible, comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. This upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to run the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. Did I mention wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery last longer. Men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. It's time to get your own ball, hair, and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice smooth boys. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code 12QPOD at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. I'd say um, having that realization and the honesty combination cuts down on how much I engage in my defects of character because my defects of character are essentially what I would use to deflect, to protect, Mm-hmm. all those fun things so what i ask you drew in question number seven what defects of character have you worked on or surrendered to the most in your recovery uh two worst ones i have two that are pretty neck and neck making up stories like i just kind of highlighted where i take the tiniest bit of an, of evidence or even none at all and i just start making up stories and getting angry and getting resentful and being like, well, you know what? That person's going going to do this thing to me. It's like, no, they're not, man, mm-hmm. you know? So that's one of the biggest ones. Uh, and people pleasing. I just, mm-hmm. I never, you, you mentioned earlier, I never ever want to ruffle any feathers. Mm-hmm. And I still struggle with that. Um, even though I know I'm doing the best I can and I'm being of service 
you know, sometimes I feel like, well, am I being of service enough or something, you know, it's like, am I doing this thing where, where, you know, I'm, I'm working my hardest, but are they appreciating it? You know, so like that people pleasing kind of thing that, yeah, that and the making up stories are the two hand in hand that I, that I actually, I, every single day I meditate on those to have them removed. Well, one of them is an internal manipulation and the other one is an external manipulation. Oh, yeah. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, I think a lot about these two things because they're two things that I have myself, you know, yeah. people pleasing has been, um, I think that's been the, the, the white whale of my, um, of my recovery, you know, first realizing that it wasn't, um, about being too good to people. It was about being manipulative and, and, and withholding and, um, and, and, and being, um, expecting, you know, having expectations yeah. of others and then, um, and, and mostly based in, in seeking safety, um, and avoiding fear and avoiding discomfort. And then the flip side of that is the, how the fear and anxiety fuels the narratives in my mind. And so on the one hand, I'm really perceptive and I'm really good at reading behavior because I worked in treatment for 10 years and with people with developmental disabilities. And, and I know I can read behavior pretty well on the other hand, and I'm also super hypervigilant from my own nasty childhood. So like on the one hand, I can read it, but on the other hand, I don't get to decide what the result is because mm -hmm. I'm not God. Mm -hmm. And I'm also, it is, it is emotional. It is a certain type of emotional gangbanging to walk up to somebody and be like, you're doing a thing and I know where this is going to lead and I know where it comes from. You know what I mean? People don't need that shit. They don't like it. It does not feel good. It feels like such a boundary value, a violation. And it is, it is a boundary violation and it's based in my own lack of boundaries out of fear. So I totally like, I totally get those things. And on the, like the asset part of that making up stories is that I am creative and yeah. I am whimsical and I am fun. You know what I mean? Like I can replace those demons with unicorns anytime I want, but I just have to be aware that it's not a, a demon with a unicorn horn. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. it'll just be like, I'm going to put on a party hat, you know, like, yeah. aren't I great? And you're like, no, you're a dick. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of this party. We're having fun. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like I'd, I'd be great <clears throat> at writing stories about people getting screwed over because I make them over in my head all the time, you know? Yeah. There's a collection of short stories about fucking people over. <laughs> yeah, just rolling that tape in my head constantly. Well, and that's the thing is, too, like people pleasing, I think, is not inherently a bad thing for people who are in the entertainment industry, but well, to the yeah. extent that it causes me strife and grief and poison you know because i mean I, we are in the business of entertaining so we have this initial want to please mm -hmm. the audience but when it starts bleeding over into i you know oh i is that person mad at me uh it, did i not get this opportunity because of this and this uh, you know maybe i should be maybe it's because i suck maybe i should be better mm -hmm. you know that's that's where it is it's hard for I think for me being in entertainment where it's just like, it's okay to want to please the people, but it, it's also, if they don't like me, that's their fucking problem. Well, yeah. well, it, it's the difference between being of service to others and not. So it's like, we can look at what we do as a type of service and then it's not necessarily 
about pleasing them. It's about doing the service and taking ourselves out of the result as to whether or not they are pleased. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just my thought. That's just we my try, thought. We try to do it. Well, that's the thing. Us being in recovery and entertainers is we try to find that balance. It's yeah, you know? it's a tightrope walk for sure. Well, and, 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 and oddly enough, as counterintuitive as, as this seems, this is my experience with all the entertainer friends that I have, as well as myself, is that we all have this sort of uh, insecurity in, inside of us that we need filled somehow. And mm-hmm. that, that, that comes with the performing on stage and getting a crowd to laugh or a crowd to cheer or clap or anything. And that's what, you know, kind of fakely fills that, that hole that you're, that, that we're all searching for, you know, and, and um, that's actually one thing, uh, another thing to kind of harken back very quickly to a prior question. Another thing I really learned about myself in sobriety was, you know, that God-sized hole that I had in my chest. I was trying to fill it with everything. And that included entertaining and being that people pleaser. And, and, and that, you know, definitely bred all of my, uh, um, you know, defects of character. Like it was just, it was all those insecurities, that God-sized hole that, when I finally got the program and I surrendered and I was able to just really let the universe, the great mystery speak to me and fill it. That was the thing that helped kind of fulfill that. Mm-hmm. And so that's what really helps with the, if I'm doing my best and I'm doing everything I can do and I'm being of service, it's none of my business what other people think is because I now have that hole filled by, you know, this higher power of mine. So I don't feel like I have to constantly go after it, you know, like a, you know, like a, a rabbit chasing a carrot on a stick, you know? Well, and I have to also forgive myself for who I am, you know? Mm-hmm. I have traits that I'm not super proud of, and I have traits that I'm super proud of. And, you know, especially when we go through and and do the inventory and, and try to sweep away some of the garbage that's been rattling around in our brain, we learn that, you know, we have to start w- with sitting quietly with ourselves for that hour and forgive ourselves and also be like, you, you just did a hard thing that not many people are willing to do, which is look at my part in it. Um, mm-hmm. So the next question, Drew, is how do you experience forgiveness either with yourself or other people? It's gotten to the point, forgiveness for me to where, and I'm, I'm no monk, I'm no guru here, but I've, I've, I've gotten, I'm I've, no Buddha. I I'm know not, Buddha. I'm no, I've not reached Nirvana, although sometimes I love listening to their records. <laughs> but, uh, Hey, no, I've gotten to the point forgiveness for me, forgiving other people, empathy, you know, uh, that's, that's the biggest thing that I've found because in working, uh, 10 steps and fourth step and, and realizing okay, well, what's my part in this? Because the, the, the biggest thing that I despise in my life is when a person or a thing or a situation lives rent-free in my head. Mm. You know, I heard, I've heard that phrase used a million times and it's so true. You know, if I have somebody who's negative in my life and they try to bring me down, they're cynical, they're trying to bring me down and everything I say, they say the opposite. You know, I do my best to just... First of all, I pray for that person because I try to have empathy and, and realize, okay, well, well, the only person this is truly bothering is me. Mm. So if it's solely on me, that's something I can help control. 
Mm-hmm. So what about this situation, this person, this thing? What is my part? What is bothering me? Because my part in a resentment is not necessarily something I'm doing wrong. It's just what is making me feel the way I'm feeling. What is making mm-hmm. me feel this fear, this resentment, this anxiety, any of that. And if I'm able to sit down, write out a 10 step, and sometimes because you know both I and my sponsor travel a lot and now I moved across country last year. So we actually live in two different cities, but we still, we still make it work, which is great. And, um, you know, a lot of times I'll do a 10 step or, uh, uh, I'll do an inventory uh, through text message sometimes just like, Hey man, uh, you know, I got to do a quick one right here. Here's, you know, the situation, here's what's bothering me. Here's my part here, my defect, blah, blah, blah. You know, just kind of run down the whole thing and then he'll text me back. And it's just, it helps me realize that, you know, in order to forgive somebody, I need to find out what, what part of me is, 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 is going into this forgiveness, right. As well, right. which is, you know, like, okay, well, it's clearly this person, this is affecting my ego. This is affecting my pocketbook. This is affecting mm-hmm. this. And then just sitting down, praying about it. And I, uh, I've, ne- I've, always gone up and down with my meditation as far as the frequency of it. And now I'm on the up swing where I'm meditating every single day and I'm just making sure to, to stay in touch, you know, with, with my higher power. And, um, as far as people forgiving me, I just do my best to, to not do anything that needs to be forgiven. <laughs> no, but, uh, at the same time, like, you know, just, just living that, that, that living amends, that daily amends, you know, if I, if I have, especially with the amends process that I did, a lot of that is just a continual thing where it's like, I just need to continue to be of service and I owe this amends and I've got to, I've got to pull my weight in order to, um, you know, to, to move further down the road with this. Yeah. Well, it's having, it's having a conscience again, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, what I loved about what you just shared is I say this a lot, my 50% and my 50% isn't necessarily what I did, although it is the other side of that. If you were to split that into 25s, it's what I did and how it affected me as well. So um, being aware of like what my 50% is, is so, so important. And uh, I was working a step the other day with the sponsee and there, there came a moment where I just had to start saying like, and your 50% is this. (laughs) <laughs> and like, you know, because, because that, that's a, a nice palatable way to understand that we do have a part, but that in some situations we are not, there are some situations where we're just straight up 100% yeah. the person who fucked up, yeah. but then there are other situations where it's like, it takes two to tango, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, I think that's, what's so important. And I think having that awareness helps get us into like step nine. It helps get us into mm-hmm. the amends part. You know, um, what's been the most interesting amends or apology that you've either given or received in your life? Um, most interesting amends that I've given. So, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty open about this story. I, um, you know, I've been in the same band for almost ten years, and I'm very, very close with these people. I mean, they're family. You know, and you know, it's 2018. Um, you know, when they all kind of sat me down and, and, and had the, uh, the chat, <laughs> as you may want to call it. 
and uh, and that's kind of where it started started moving forward my my recovery um so i owed a lot of amends to these people from the dumb shit i did over the years the the straight up just wrong stuff i did because i started getting so resentful because you know we're on the road almost eight months a year together in airplanes and buses and hotels so like it's a very tight tight knit group so this was my heaviest um i guess concentration of people that i had to make amends to and i did so with every single one of them individually i i just had to make sure you know because these are still people and they welcomed me back with open arms you know it's like they they let me i i ended up leaving a tour um, to go into treatment and they had someone fill in for me and they were like, we just want you to be healthy. We got to make sure, you know, that everything is going well and then we'll welcome you back with open arms and they did. So, you know, just the amount of love and empathy that they showed me was something that was another thing that, that helped push me forward at the beginning. I do recovery now for myself, but at the beginning, that was one thing. And, you know, going through each one of those people, there's about nine of them, each one of those people individually and making amends. Um, one or two of them uh, were just like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, it, like, basically they're like, I already came to terms with it on my own, you know? And I was like, well, so it's like, <laughs> I just, so with, with people like that, I just, I have to make, you know, that living amends, mm -hmm. which is, which is trying to live my, be my best self every day. The yeah. most in interesting one, very, very long-winded uh, way I had to give a little context. Most interesting one is one of the, the guys I tour with. Uh, he uh, has been in recovery for a long time. Mm -hmm. And he, when I sat down, we were in a hotel somewhere and I sat down and I just, you know, he, 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 he knew the game. So I was like, all right, so working through my ninth step and he goes, and of course it's always, it always feels a little awkward at the beginning. Uh, at least it does for me. And uh, he was like, Oh, okay. So I just kind of started, you know, and, and this guy, he quite literally, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. He looks like a big biker Harley riding dude. And when I was doing this, uh, this uh, amends with him, he started tearing up and um, you know, I asked at the end, like, you know, what can I do? to make things right, you know? Like, what do I need to do to make things right? And he kind of surprised me when he said, just making this amends was all that I needed, Yeah. you know? And that was definitely, I'm getting a little emotional thinking about it right now, actually. Um, that was one of those kind of turning points in my sobriety as well, was like, that gave me confidence in knowing that even if I have some tough amends to make, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. I have to do it, you know? So just by, for, for this, this guy that I'm very, very close with, I've known him for over a decade, you know, just for him to say like, you know, just you making the amends is all that I needed. Like that, that just basically skyrocketed my, my sobriety into like, holy shit, this feels great. I got to keep moving forward. You know? Yeah. 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 Rocketed the fourth dimension That's, it's it was i mean you know they always say don't leave till the miracle happens or whatever semblance of words mm -hmm. they use for that but like you know I, I feel like it's not just one miracle i've had dozens yeah you know? 
and and it's been those god shots those miracles whatever you want to call them but it's it's just you know besides waking up every morning and wondering what i'm going to do with my day as opposed to how am i going to do my day um besides that i would say that you know having that that sort of spiritual freedom and those miracles like and and those god shots and you know, that's the stuff that keeps me coming back. And, and to see that miracle and to see those God shots and people that I've worked with, like to see it, like start, like their eyes get brighter and they just start mm -hmm. to see it. Cause you know, the best way to keep what I have is to give it away. And I try to do that the best I can. And just so when I, and I'm, I get so excited and invigorated about recovery as you might be able to tell. And, um, you know, so when I'm able to share that with somebody, you know, that's, that is the greatest feeling in the I love that. And well, like the mechanism for doing it, you said a really interesting word or set of words. You said uh, doing it the best I can, you yeah. know, because we can only do the best we can, you know, and sometimes I tell people we do the best we can with what we have. And when we know better, we do better. I think that's a Maya Angelou quote. Um, yeah. And so like doing the best you can on a daily basis is so about the 10th step. It is so about like humility to be like, I wake up, I do it. I might not do it perfect. If I don't do it perfect, I'll say, Hey, that wasn't perfect. How can I do it better? Yeah. You know, what, what is your daily routine? Like your daily spiritual practice to kind of keep your head in the game? Yeah. Um, it, and again, total honesty, brutal honesty. Brutal. Uh, it, uh, it ebbs and flows. Uh, mm. sometimes, sometimes I'm great with it. Sometimes I, I slow down on it. Um, through the pandemic, uh, specifically, I, I really did slow down my program a lot, which is probably the last thing I should have done. But thankfully, you know, nothing, I, I didn't do anything, you know, irreversible or, or, or regrettable. Mm -hmm. um, so it ebbs and flows. Right now, I am very heavily into my meditation. Because, mm. um, you know, performers on stage I about an hour and a half before I go on stage I do about a 25 to 30 minute meditation mm. and there's a couple other people on the tour that like meditating as well so we actually get together as a group and we sit down and we do a meditation um which really helps focus my head and it just keeps me and um keeps me you know kind of centered and and it's definitely there's a breathing exercise I like to do that gets me into the meditation where I just, it's like in for three seconds, hold for three seconds, out for three seconds. Box breathing, baby. Yeah, yes. yeah. Do that, do that, do that all the way up to seven seconds. And mm -hmm. then I go back to three and do it up to seven, like three different mm -hmm. times. And you can't not do anything but focus on breathing at that point, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because it's, it's a pretty involved breathing exercise. Um, so my daily routine, I mean, that is probably the heaviest part of it. Um, I do my best, uh, do the best I can to check in with my sponsor every day. Um, again, I'm admittedly, I'm still not the greatest at it, but I do the best I can. Uh, and it's such a simple thing too. It's like a text message, a phone call, but it's amazing how, you know, just life gets in the way and you, you know, kind of neglect those things. But mm -hmm. You know, my sponsor, Justin, told me early on when I, when I you know, was brand new to this, uh, I was like, you know, why, why do you need me to call you every day? And he goes, well, because it's, it's a good habit to have, because if anything ever, you know, if shit ever hits the fan, it's second nature for you to just call me. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah. And I didn't get that at the beginning. I didn't get it. Um, I get it now. <laughs> and I do see, you know, doing that and calling him. And, you know, most of the time they're literally 45 second to one minute conversation. So just like, hey, you know, hey, man, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Do you have a good day? Yep. Did you pray today? Yep. Did you meditate? Yep. Cool. Do you have any resentments? Do you have anything you need to talk through? No, man, it was a great day. Cool. Well, call me if you need anything. Like, that's all it really takes. You know? I'm stealing that call format right there. I'm stealing that because <laughs> I might. My question is, is always like, oh, hey, how's it going? Okay, good. Is everybody okay today? Yeah, okay. Uh, question, have you worked on your step today? And they'll oh, be well, like, yeah. and they'll be like, oh, and I'll be like, okay, <laughs> talk to you later. Anyway, bye. Um, but yeah. I like, I like that. Do you have any resentments? Have you meditated? Have you prayed? Because it's just a nice reminder to yeah. be like, I don't expect anybody to call me like, and be like, yes, I worked on my step every day. My point is, is I'm reminding you that the reason why you call me is we work steps together, you know, yeah. like, so that's, I love that. I love that. I love that. Do you have a resentment? How do you feel? Like, that's good. Yeah. Little mini He's giving you a little mini tent step on each he, call. He does every night. Um, especially because, you know, a lot of my resentments pre sobriety were from the people I still travel with. Absolutely. Um, because yeah. Yeah, it's just close knit, you know, you know, you know how that goes. I want musicians to write a, a book, like a coffee table book on overcoming codependency as a group. It'd be horrible. It'd be horrible. It would be. Yeah, it sounds, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it would be like the most fascinating study of codependency is just bands. Like, because yeah. it's, it's more intimate. It's a different, it's, it's different than friendship. It's not quite romantic relationship. But it's like somewhere in between. It's definitely like sibling-ish, but right. you know, de depending on relationships with siblings, it's it's sometimes more loving, sometimes less loving. Like it is a very unique relationship, you know, traveling so closely with people yeah. for such a long amount of time. I just I, I found it funny. Your title was, you know, overcoming dependency in a group or, or whatever words yeah. you used. And, and uh, I just found that ironic. It's like, oh, well, I'm not dependent on them. Well, how did we as a group figure that out? <laughs> ah! Yes, 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 yes. That's I amazing. Thought that was, I thought that was funny. Mm. So how are you feeling about that higher power? What's your relationship with it? It's something I never had before. And I love it. It's it's the thing that keeps me, again, the great mystery. Um, I, I do use the word God a lot, but I use that almost just kind of as a shorthand um, because I don't know what's going on up there, but man, whatever it is, it's looking out. And I, I know it's looking out because I've had too many coincidences, quote unquote, in my life for that to, to be a coincidence, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, excuse me, uh, you know, I never had pre-sobriety. I had never had any relationship with a higher power. I was the asshole atheist that were like, you know, if you started talking about God or religion, I am, excuse me, I immediately judged you for, um, being weak. <laughs> you know, I looked mm -hmm. at it as a weakness, like for my entire life, I just thought, Oh, being dependent on God, that makes you weak. And, you know, that's, that's scapegoating. Like that's the way I looked at it. And then when I, man, when I came to this, point, um, to be fair, to be kind to, to be, to, fair. To, be fair. to be, to like being kind to the past you, 
I will say that there is a lot of chicken shit behavior that is hidden in cruelty and 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 lack of responsibility yes. that is hidden behind dogma and institution. And we call that religion and spirituality. But that's why teasing out the the being spiritual and not religious is so important for a program like ourselves, mm -hmm. because then we're just teasing that out. And we're not saying that the dogma is the important part. We're saying that the connection is the important part. Exactly. And that's why that's why I use those terms like yeah. the universe, the great mystery, because mm -hmm. that whole dogmatic approach never appealed yeah. to me. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. Dave. A useful tool I was given in the beginning when in concerned with a higher power is you take a piece of paper and you write down all the things you want your higher power to be on one side. And then you write down on the other side of the paper what you don't want your higher power to be. And then when you're done writing, you tear that fucker in half and you throw away the parts of the higher power that you don't want to be. And what you're left with is a good foundation of what you want your higher power to mm. be. Yeah. Just eliminate all the things that you don't want it to be. Because it's just like if it's supposed to be a power that's greater than me, it should encompass all the things that I, I need, you know, and that's not to say that you need a higher power to stay sober at any given moment in your recovery. I'm, I'm living proof of that, but it's a lot easier when I'm tapping into the spirit of the universe in order to get through my day. Right. And it's, it's a lot easier than me having a spear against the, the 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 all or the mm -hmm. higher power or the right. great mystery you know because sometimes i just got to put down my weaponry that i'm trying to defend myself against this power that essentially is supposed to be there to help right well, and, and to piggyback on that i heard uh you know um my, my sponsor justin had me uh do a similar exercise to that and he essentially had me do like you know it was like 30 traits that i'd want then pick of those 30, pick your favorite 20 of those 20, pick your favorite 10 of those 10, pick your favorite five. Mm. And, and his idea behind that was those last five that you picked from this huge list of 30, those are, you know, the ideal traits that you want to have in a higher power. Correct. And I was mm. like, well, yes. And he go, okay, well, wouldn't you love to emulate those two, mm. you know, to kind of look at it as like, you know, I want it to be loving, compassionate, you know, uh, you know, uh, of service, you know, like anything that I would want to hire power bees, like, well, don't you want to kind of be the image of that as well? And so it kind of helped me realize what I'm looking for in an ideal, you know, kind of higher power or, or, or anything in my life for that matter. And just how I can, you know, kind of emulate, you know, the ideal that I have, how I can best emulate it myself too, you know, because at the end of the day, we're probably writing down all the best traits of humankind that we can write down. So it's like, well, don't you want to exemplify that too? You know? Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was an interesting way to do it. That's some good program witchcraft. I'm into it. Yeah. I that's, like that that's good. I wrote that down. I was like, Ooh, I'm stealing that too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. A, that's great. One. Well, we made it to the last question and it has oh, been yeah. drew. It has been such a delight to get to know you. Um, Dave always brings on a person where I'm like, I feel like we've been friends forever. And we're, we're I, I, I feel confident in saying we're like-minded in, in a lot of ways, oh, yeah. especially in program terms. And so oh, yeah. it's been a delight to have this conversation. Well, thank you so much. And, and, you know, I love, I love talking recovery and, yeah, you know, like just, just, just getting to talk about it. It helps remind me too of my recovery. Yes. You know, it's like, so it's that whole idea of, uh, of, 
of service and going to meetings and stuff. It's like, there, there's still a purpose. There's still a higher purpose to what we do. And, you know, it helps remind me. So I sincerely appreciate you guys having me on too. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So, okay. What is one thing that you would tell somebody just like you in the world? Just in general? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, or like, you know, just if you could, if you could, it's that you, we can only keep what we have by giving it away. Right. What do you want to give away to your doppelganger right now? Oh man. <laughs> the anxiety is Drew in Chechnya. Yeah. Yeah. The, the anxiety is not worth it. <laughs> you yeah. know? It's uh, you know, when I was a kid, I heard a funny phrase that I still remember to this day, you know, uh, stress, anxiety, stress is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Wow. So I I just, you know, the anxiety is not worth it. It's, it's, you know, nine times, 99 out of a hundred times, you know, I'll even go that far. The anxiety that I have in my mind, I've just built up on my own. Yeah. And, And just realizing that, accepting that and being able to move past that has made me such a happier person, such a more, uh, duh, duh, a more delightful person to be around that's for sure because i'm not constantly worried about everything or i'm not constantly worried about what others are saying about me you know mm-hmm. um so yeah the anxiety is not worth it it's like a rocking chair gives you something to do but it's not going to get you anywhere bam bam that's the end of the 12. that's what i would worth- say thank you Woo! Where can people find you if you want to be found um, uh, doing all the things you're doing? Uh, I have, I begrudgingly have an Instagram. I, I'm not a big fan of the socials, but you know, entertainer, got to do it. It's uh, at the kid, T H E K I D D, 1986. Ooh. That's, that's my Instagram. And, the kid, uh, 1986. I don't, I don't, I don't think I have it. Well, I do have a Twitter, but I don't remember the login. So I haven't seen it in years. Amazing. <laughs> What's it like to live in this freedom? I'm so yeah. obsessed. I, yeah, I don't, I don't have a TikTok. I don't have a Snapchat. I barely have a Facebook. Um, so yeah, Instagram is kind of my, my main uh, source for the socials. Would you like people to hear your music? Uh, I don't really have any of my own. Okay. I, I'm just kind of a hired gun kind of a thing, you know, Ooh, okay. um, but the I doc uh, holiday, if you will. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I, I play, you know, people often ask me, you know, um, what kind of music do you play? And I said, the kind that pays. Hey, hey. Yeah. Yay. So check out, check out Drew on Instagram. If you want to see where he's at in the world, uh, Anna, where can people find you in this podcast? You can find me at Anna V is fun on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at AnnaValenzuela.com. Also uh, TikTok Anna V is fun, Venmo, Cash App, everything. I keep it simple. It's all Anna V is fun. And uh, that's Anna with two N's because I was a dummy. I should have said Anna with two N's, honestly. But anyway, um, you can find this podcast at 12Q Pod on all the social medias, on the gmails on the tiktoks all the things um and dave where can people find you you can find me on all the things at yates comedy y-a-t-e-s comedy instagram twitter tiktok facebook all the shit and then if you want to support me directly you can buy my hot sauce hahahotsauce.com
Haha. Um, I love it. I love fantastic, it. Fantastic, fantastic hot sauce, by the way. I had it on two pieces of pizza last night and it was good nice. pizza, but I love it on pizza. It's like one of my mm. favorite things, pizza and eggs. I like it on that. Um, it's, it's so funny, actually. One last thing. I remember, Dave, when I first met you, it was at a show. You were playing in Eagle Rock. You were mm-hmm. selling hot sauce. You talked about, uh, and I was still somewhat new to sobriety. You were talking about sobriety in your act. And I was like, ooh, I got to talk to this guy. And uh, and so and it's like, oh, Andy has hot sauce. I'm like a hot sauce enthusiast. That's right. We, we chatted for a minute. I came to a Saturday morning meeting. I saw you there. I was like, there he is. All right. I knew yeah. you'd be. I knew you'd be in the crowd. Hey, doing the, doing the deal. Yeah, oh. man. Oh, I love that. I love that. Dave, you want to end this since this is your homie. You end this podcast. You do it. Uh, you do the deal. All right, Drew. How we end this podcast? every single time every time is if nobody's told you this today we love you buddy so do i say that (laughs) no No. you just you just take take it you just take it take that love and like it yeah (laughs) so much all right well if nobody's told you this today we love you Mm, thank you dave Mm mm-hmm and Dave, and if you're out there, no, no, I'm not. the. I hate accepting love. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows I'll fucking sabotage it any chance I get. So if you're out there listening to this podcast, we do appreciate you. Subscribe, rate, review. But most importantly, if nobody's told you this, listener, love you. Dave, we love you. Peace. I love it.